to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 35, and today we are talking about books released on January 5th, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, happy Hello. new year. Happy new year to you. I started reading the date and I was like, that can't be right. What? Like, two thousand? no, yeah. Yeah. I just realized I haven't had to write it on anything yet, so I haven't had the, you know, oh, it's the middle of March and I'm still writing 2015 on things phenomenon kickoff yet, but I'm sure that that's coming for me. Yeah, I'll be doing that until next year, probably. I know. It always, it's such a cliche, but it always takes me forever. You and everyone else. I know. Uh, thus, cliche. Uh, but my head is firmly in the 2016 game. There are so many good books coming out this year. Oh my goodness. So many coming out. Today. Yes. Yeah, this was the first big day. Yeah, and it's huge. There are so, we are just barely touching on how many amazing books are coming out today. Publishing is so weird how it really is like feast or famine. I was looking at our iTunes reviews and someone was like, could you please just do new releases all the time? I mean, I know December is slow and I wanted to be like, you don't know how slow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We really, like we couldn't have filled our shows with stuff with eight things each that we had or eight things total that we had read and really loved and endorsed for December it just but now we're overwhelmed <laughs> yeah I I was kind of lazy like in the last couple of weeks of December I, I took the time to read things that I had wanted to read instead of like keeping up with new releases and stuff and so now the last few days I'm like ha, 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 trying to get everything done I know I had the same just sort of picking things up that had been on my pile and getting caught up. And then also we binge watched Making a Murderer, thanks to your recommendation. Um, so it was a lot of Netflixing. Oh, and I finally have seen all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> I had never seen Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. So I watched those over the break. By all the Star Wars movies, do you mean the first three? Well, the original three. Yeah. yeah. And I fell asleep during episode one in high school, and I don't really have any desire to go revisit that. But I'm going to go see The Force Awakens, and then I will be, you know, set for pop culture for 2016. Me too. I'm going Thursday, I think. Awesome. To see it. I haven't seen it yet, but I really should, so. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm ready to get back on the horse and start reading books again and talking about stuff that's coming out. But you have the first pick this week, and I'm so excited about what this book... This has a great title, and I'm excited to hear about it. Oh, I was like, did you read it? Um, no, it was on my <laughs> list, but I just didn't get there, so I'm glad it's you got really to it. It's really fun. It is called A Thousand Naked Strangers, A Paramedic's Wild Ride to the Edge and Back by Kevin Hazard. And I was... So it's the beginning of the year. I was like, do I want to start off with something that might, you know, it's about a paramedic and people die and emergencies and all that stuff. And I was like, do I want to read something that might be depressing and full of death and all this stuff? And then I opened it up and there was a quote from Carl Spackler Mm. at the front, who is uh, Bill Murray's character in Caddyshack. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, I do want to read this. (laughs) I was like, I'm sold right there. And uh, Kevin Hazard was a journalist uh, turned novelist. He was working on a paper, writing his novel, and when he finished his novel, he decided to quit, and he wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And so he, he said, almost accidentally signed up for an EMT course. This is in 2002, shortly after uh, September 11th, and he had a lot of friends who were in the military, and he felt like he should be doing something else with his life. So he signed up for this class, and it's just about how, he, for like the next 10 years, he rode in the back of an ambulance and all the craziness that happens, all the crazy things he saw. Um, it never occurred to me, like, I don't know why, but I was not aware that EMTs have no 
medical training as far as like going to school and getting a degree and doing all this stuff. They get eight months in a classroom and that's it. And then boom, you're out there on the road in the back of an ambulance. And I was like, oh, but yeah, there it's all very practical. Yeah, it's it's just and that is exactly what he explains. Like they ride with a medic who is someone who does have medical training and, you know, a degree. And the EMT's job is to basically be practical, like not like cloud all the judgments with, you know, doses and possible this and possible that just to be like, this is what's happening and this is what it could be and let's do this, you know, and then the medic is there to, you know, do those things like, you know, intubate and all that stuff. Um, it was just so interesting. Uh, I And of course, you know, there's all the gross stories and there's the nice stories and it just it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, plus, yeah, again, the title is so awesome. Like, you know, why wouldn't mm-hmm. you read a book about a thousand naked strangers? Um, and that's all I'm going to say about it. So it's your turn. Yeah, that sounds like a fun one to read in public so people can be puzzled about the title of your book. It does have an ambulance on the cover. Oh. And it does say paramedic. So <laughs> sorry to ruin your fun. Maybe right, if well, you like read it on like your e-reader, people are walking by, you'd be like, I'm reading a thousand naked strangers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can do that. You know, no big deal. There's just naked strangers on mm-hmm. my iPad. Yep. <laughs> it's just like a normal Thursday night. Um, before I do my first pick, I want to thank our first sponsor this week. It is a book called The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend. It's a novel by Katerina Bivald or Bivald. I'm sorry that I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Broken Wheel, Iowa has never seen anyone like Sarah who traveled all the way from Sweden just to meet her book-loving pen pal. When she arrives, however, she finds Amy's funeral guests just leaving. The residents of Broken Wheel are happy to look after their bewildered visitor. There's not much else to do in a small town that's almost beyond repair. But they never imagined that she would start a bookstore or that books could bring them together and change everything. So we've got a woman traveling to meet her book-loving pen pal who then opens a bookstore in the town that she's visiting. I don't know what more you need to know about this. The title, again, is The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend. It's by Katerina Bivald. It's out from Sourcebooks. It's available now in January. We'll have a link in the show notes. And, of course, you can find it wherever books are sold. Uh, so thanks to Sourcebooks and The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend for sponsoring us this week. All right. My first pick this week. So excited about woo, this woo. book. It's Mr. Splitfoot by Samantha Hunt. Uh, this is a novel that rings so many of my bells, um, specifically about cults and, you know, fringe religious groups. Uh, it's about Ruth and Nat, a young girl and boy who grow up in a group sort of foster home situation that's operated by a culty prophet who calls himself the father. It is as weird and bad of a situation as you think it is. Uh, and Nat claims to be able to speak to the dead. Uh, he holds what are basically seances for the other kids in their group home to speak to their dead parents. And then eventually their audience widens and a man from town recruits Nat and Ruth into his operation, essentially into his con, and they find themselves tied up with a larger and scarier cult group. Alternating chapters show us what's happening decades later. Uh, Ruth's niece, Cora, has gotten pregnant. Ruth has been absent for years, but she returns to Cora's life. She's not speaking at all. Ruth doesn't speak through the whole present day uh, thread of the narrative. And she leads Cora 
away from her home and out basically into the wilderness as they walk across the state of New York while Cora gets more and more pregnant, while she follows Ruth, while unsure whether they're running away from something or running to something else, or maybe it's both. Um, and then we as the readers get to piece together the thread between uh, Ruth's childhood, young adulthood with Nat, with the con man and the speaking to the dead and the weird cult and also the present day where Ruth is mute and she's leading her pregnant niece across the state, either to or from something or both. Uh, this is really dark and surprising and carefully crafted. I would have loved this story, I think, no matter what. It's so well done. And I love it when an author trusts readers to put together the pieces. Things aren't laid out super clearly. Um, you have time to mull over how these two threads of story might connect. And there are some things that are unanswered that I found really pleasurable in the reading experience to not have the author just tell me, hey, this is why this thing mattered. But you get to think about it and answer the questions yourself. On top of that, it's really beautifully written. Uh, this was the first of Samantha Hunt's books that I've read, but it won't be the last. I was really impressed with how the whole thing was put together. It was just a great reading experience. If you want to kick off your year with something a little bit darker, Mr. Splitfoot by Samantha Hunt. She's so awesome. Yeah, I love I, her. I'm so happy to have discovered her. It was so good. Um, my next book is dark and disturbing because apparently that's that's just how I roll. You know it. I'm not going to lie to you. Right. You all we don't know need that, to... that I myself am strange and unusual. So uh, it is called The Gun by Fuminori Nakamura and is translated by Allison Markin Powell. Um, he wrote the great book uh, Last Winter We Parted, which came out a few years ago. This is a Soho crime book. I love them. Um, and it takes place in Tokyo. And there is a university student named Nishikawa who is out walking in the rain one day and to get out of the rain and smoke a cigarette, he goes under a bridge where there is a dead body laying there. Oh, uh, no. And more exciting than that, he discovers that there is a gun laying right beside the body. And he's filled with this overwhelming sense of joy. And he knows that the gun should belong to him. And he takes it and, and goes back to his house with it. And he's obsessed with the gun. He takes it out and he polishes it all the time. And he talks to it and he just thinks about it. And it sort of changes his personality. He starts having more of a swagger. He starts being more of a jerk. He becomes more confrontational. Um, he starts carrying it around with him. Now, at this point in the book, I had to stop because I was like, why is this guy so excited about a gun? And then I, I looked up the gun laws in Japan, and people don't carry handguns like they do right. here. Like, you're able to get, like, a rifle. through If you go through this, like, huge, long process, you can get, like, a rifle for hunting, but people don't have handguns. So, like, this is, like, really unusual. But the other thing that happens is that most likely the man who was laying there shot himself, but because he has taken the gun away from the scene, now the police think that this man was murdered. So now they're looking for a murderer. So there's all this excitement going on. Um, it was just, it's really creepy. And it's one of those mysteries that is so much less about the mystery and just the writing and the story. It was really, really fascinating. Um, and again, that is called The Gun by, I'm going to try and say it again. I had been to practice the first time. Fuminori Nakamura. There you go. Yay. Yeah, my next pick is also a mystery in translation. Uh, I don't know how we did that, but good job us. High five. Good job. Uh, 
It's Silver Bullets by Elmer Mendoza, translated by Mark Freed. Uh, this is a gritty mystery story set uh, in Mexico in a very corrupt town. It's about a, detector, a detective named Edgar Lefty Mendieta, and he's having a rough go of it. Uh, the woman he loves has abandoned him. His city and his nation are wildly corrupt, and he's in therapy, and we get to be in therapy with him. Uh, this is the first time that I recall seeing a detective in therapy in a book uh, that I've read, and it was wildly fun, a really enjoyable part of the story to get to sit in on his therapy sessions. Um, so Lefty finds himself on the case of a murder of a high-powered lawyer who was killed with one silver bullet. And of course, they're joking like, why would it be a silver bullet? Did someone think he was a vampire? But really, something super shady is going on here. Uh, as he works the case, there are a bunch of misleads. And then, of course, there is a reveal. And to me, the mystery was almost secondary to how much fun it was just to hang out with this character in this the story is gritty and also the setting is gritty like you can almost feel the dust in the air um but the writing is very cerebral it's almost obsessive uh, lefty is certainly obsessive about his case. Um, and Elmer Mendoza is one of Mexico's foremost crime novelists. Um, one of the things I'm trying to continue expanding in my reading life is reading more mystery and also reading more fiction in translation. So this rang both of those bells and it couldn't have done it any better. I really enjoyed it. Um, a quick note about the formatting, like the language was really enjoyable. And so I think the translation must have been great. It did read differently than mysteries that are written in English tend to read. I think the conventions must be a little bit different. And of course, Mexican writers are going to do different things and have different sort of traditions within their writing than American uh, mystery writers are. But it didn't feel like this. It did not feel like reading like a Patricia Cornwell or a James Patterson or one of those like mystery thriller whodunits. Uh, there was a total lack of quote marks in the conversation, which is a thing that doesn't bother me, but is a thing that I know bothers a lot of readers. So if you are sensitive to that, you might just want to, you know, reader beware uh, that the conversations just happen straight within paragraphs and aren't really set off. And so it can be a little bit confusing at times to track who's speaking, but I didn't mind. Uh, the book was really enjoyable. And again, it's called Silver Bullets by Elmer Mendoza. The next book I'm going to talk about is a book of essays. Which Yay, is awesome. we don't do many of those. No, well, this one is fantastic. And it is called Shame and Wonder by David Searcy. And many, many years ago, at the beginning of this century, I was in a bookstore and I was recommended this horror novel. I was like, ooh, yay, horror novel. And it was called Ordinary Horror. I was like, all right. And it's about this guy who buys an organic remedy to protect his roses from pests. And then, like, weird things happen on his lawn. And it was... It was too smart for me. I really enjoyed it, but I was like, I, I didn't understand what just went on. Like, and yet over the last several years, I'll like find myself looking out the back window at my yard and like thinking about that book. And I'm just huh. like, this book is so strange. And then I found out that, that the author had a book of essays coming out and I was like, well, I, I can't miss that. Um, and it comes highly recommended from uh, John Jeremiah Sullivan, who wrote a great book of essays called Pulphead. And of course, Leslie Jameson, who is amazing and wrote the empathy exams, um, and it is just like the novel. It is so, so smart. I mean, he is amazing. He reminds me a lot of Nicholson Baker, if you've mm. ever read him. It, he writes these essays about, there's one about, like, um, hearts carved on trees and one about cars. And there's this really interesting one. The first essay is about how he goes to research the subject that he hears about while he's sitting in the dentist chair. Um, and he just does these, like, stream of consciousness things 
where you feel like he's saying things that you've thought, but you've never been able to put into words before. Just like all this really amazing stuff. He has this amazing way of describing the everyday world that you either hadn't thought of or didn't know how to explain. Um, he's just so fantastic. And also, I like that his last name is the same as the woman on Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> again, that is called Shame and Wonder Essays by David Searcy. Nice. It is time for our second sponsor this week. FabFitFun is back again. We're so happy to have them. FabFitFun is a subscription box that has premium full-size items. So as we've said before, these aren't samples. This isn't like enough eyeshadow to do one eye and then you have to walk out of your house looking like you just got one of those one side of your face makeovers at Macy's or something. Uh, You get the whole enchilada. Um, Full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. The box comes out once each season. They're currently shipping their winter box. It retails for $49.99, but it always has a value over $200. And in fact, the winter box is valued at $312. You can subscribe at fabfitfun.com. And when you do that, you use the code books to get $10 off your first box. So you're going to go to fabfitfun.com. You're going to use the code books, and you're actually only going to pay $39.99 for this box that is valued at $312. Some of the boxes or some of the products in the winter box, this is a big subscription box that sends you all sorts of things. It's full. They're really fun to open. Um, I got a sample of the fall box, and it was like the Mary Poppins bag of subscription boxes where you're like, there's a lamp in here and a phone charger and some face masks. Uh, This winter one includes body cream, a wine stopper and wine wine charm set, a scent diffuser for your home with one of four scents, uh, some earbuds, gift cards to other places that you can shop online, including uh, Sweet and Spark, which is an online store that sells curated vintage jewelry. That sounds awesome. Uh, you get skin toner, smoothing cream, you know, whatever New Year's resolutions you're making about how to take better care of yourself, how to feel better, and, you know, do your best, live your best life, that kind of thing. You'll find stuff for it in FabFitFun. They also often include exercise products, and there were some yoga and Pilates products in the first box that I got. So really all sorts of stuff. They are looking at, it's mostly, you know, intended for a female subscribership and the kinds of products that women would enjoy having in in their lives. I'm really happy with the ones that I've gotten. And also that FabFitFun seems to understand how women actually live in the world. And uh, it, there are no weird like body image kinds of things connected to it. This isn't about like, you need to be six foot two and blonde and skinny to be happy. But here are a bunch of products that anyone might enjoy trying. I also think subscription boxes are a great way to discover new products that then, you know, if you love stuff, you can go out and continue to buy that product in your life. If you don't like things, well, you pay $39.99 for $312 worth of stuff. So take them and leave them. Again, go to fabfitfun.com to subscribe. Use the offer code BOOKS for $10 off your first box. That lets them know that you came from us, and hopefully they will continue to sponsor the show so that we can all hang out together. So thanks to FabFitFun again. All right. This next book is a downer, but an important downer. And I really, and ultimately an upper. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's called, or I am enjoying it. I'm almost finished. I'm not worried about how it's going to end. I feel comfortable recommending it. It is The Lightless Sky by Gowali Passerle. Uh, when Gowali Passerle was 12, back in 2006, uh, he's you know still a relatively young man, his father was killed by U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The Taliban wanted to recruit him. 
The U.S. wanted to use him, and his mother thought that the only way to protect him from both of those competing interests was to send him away. Uh, So she paid a person who was essentially a people smuggler to get him and his brother out of Afghanistan, and they were supposed to get to Europe. He gets separated from his brother early in the trip. Uh, That's horrifying by itself. He's 12 years old. He's this young boy, and he finds himself alone with his group of fellow travelers in really harrowing, horrible conditions. Uh, At one point, they're left like in an outbuilding on someone's farm that's basically a chicken coop where the water only turns on for half an hour a day, and they're never told what time of day that will be. So they scramble to drink and to clean themselves. There are many you know times when they're trans transported in the backs of trucks. There are times when they don't have food to eat. And he's 12. It just like, this is a terrifying story to read, regardless of who the subject of it is. But for someone so young, it travel. This story chronicles the year that he spent trying to get from Afghanistan to safety in Europe. And he was eventually granted asylum in England. Uh, This It's just a really remarkable and chilling book that puts an individual face on world events now, on the refugee crisis, and on exactly how bad conditions are and how desperate people become to get out of these conditions. The the terrible... The additional terrible conditions that they're willing to endure just for the hope of escape and the possibility of a better life. Um, it's been I've been reading it, you know, just a couple chapters at a time to take in uh, this young boy's experience and really to think about what's going on in our world. Um, the book again is called *The Lightless Sky*. It's by Gowali Passerle. I have to cop to not having finished my last pick. I haven't finished this one as well. These um, things happen. They do well. Somehow I, I missed writing it down for today, and so I just remembered it the other day and was like, everyone loves this book, I need to read it, and I am about halfway through, and it is indeed fabulous, and so I want to share it with all of you. It could go horribly wrong at the end, I don't know, but so far, so amazing. It's called Only Love Can Break Your Heart by Ed Tarkington, and it is about a young boy named Rocky. He's eight years old, and it's the 1970s. Well, he's almost eight. In it's the 1970s, he's living in Virginia with his mom and his dad and his half-brother, Paul, who is 16. Um, they share a father. And Paul is no good, basically. Like, he's he's a bad boy, um, driving around in his cars and smoking dope and smoking cigarettes. And Rocky, of course, worships him, like, looks up to him. And um, Rocky's mother is young enough to be their father's daughter. She's very, very young. She's kind of a a nervous mess. Um, And Rocky's dad is really hard. Uh, He's kind of hard to figure out. Like, he seems like he's a good guy and then not so great. But something happens between Rocky's brother, Paul, and their dad. And shortly after, uh, Paul disappears. And so then years later, there's a double murder in town. And the family history all comes flooding back, and that's kind of where I'm at. And like I said, it's fantastic. It's really well written and just wonderful. Um, The title is from the Neil Young song, who Paul absolutely loves and listens to all the time in the book. Um, And again, it is called Only Love Can Break Your Heart by Ed Tarkington. I've had my eye on that one, too. I'm going to pick it up anyway. So many people are like, it's so amazing. I had to read it. Even though it'll be past the publication date. You know, sometimes we just have to be crazy. <laughs> I'll call you and read it to you over the phone. That would be lovely. That's better than audiobooks. Yeah, while you're exercising or something, I'll just call you up. 
<laughs> I'll call you from my next terrible cardio session and you can just read <laughs> things. That would be great. Let's do it. Okay. Um, okay. Instead of picking a brand new release this uh, for my final pick today, I wanted to talk about a book that came out in December that wasn't even on my radar when we did the best new releases of December show, but that uh, is worth talking about for sure. And so I have to bring it back. It came out on December 22nd. It's called Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges by Amy Cuddy. Uh, if you watch TED Talks even occasionally, you have probably seen hers. Um, she did, I think it, it is the most viewed or the second most viewed TED Talk ever um, about how your body language shapes who you are. Um, she's a social psychologist, and the book is about physical presence, about how we occupy the world, literally the space that we take up in the world and how we position our bodies, but also about emotional presence, about how we feel about ourselves and about how others perceive us. Um, she pulls together her own research along with decades of research that has been done in the field by other scientists about how body language and positioning and posing affect our emotions, which then guide our behavior. Um, it's really commonly believed, sort of common knowledge that's not actually true, that emotions determine uh, body language, that if you're sad, you slump, and if you're happy, you sit up straight or you smile. Um, but there's tons and tons of research that actually the positioning can can and does activate the feeling. Um, so there's this really famous study that had people hold a pencil between their teeth um, to mimic the um, the same muscles in your face that move when you smile and other the control group did not hold a pencil between their teeth and they were they rated their moods before and after and holding a pencil between your teeth to mimic the muscles that do a smile causes a lift in mood and so like this is a trick that you can do for yourself if you feel cranky <laughs> And it works. It's kind of a physical to emotional connection of faking it till you make it. I'm going to use a um, Buick. <laughs> there's also a new study that she talks about. Like she talks about tons of studies, but these are just a few fascinating examples. Um, one is uh, related to the size of the devices that we use and how much you have to hunch over them. Um, people who used the smallest phone in a study, like who used, you know, say like an iPhone 5 in a study up against people who used an iPad, up against people who used a MacBook, up against those who used a big um, iMac, you know, desktop computer. The smaller the device that you held, the less powerful and present you were going to report feeling um, in the measures that they were using. And you're going to behave differently in a meeting following that. Um, just really fascinating stuff. So it's ultimately about how we can make ourselves feel more present and more powerful in our lives, powerful in a strong sense, not in the sense of being dominant or intimidating, and how you can use that to act to your own benefit and to the benefit of the people that you work with and that are in your family life. Um, if you have been reading Brene Brown, as I know a lot of listeners to this show have, this dovetails really nicely with some of the ideas. It's a nice next step, I think, from some of the ideas and the practices that you get in Daring Greatly and Rising Strong. Also, if you have a yoga or meditation practice. You'll recognize a lot of ideas here, but you'll start to know what the science is behind those of like why you feel so good after you stand in tree pose and take five very deep breaths. Um, but there's neuroscience behind that. And it's really fascinating. So I'm loving this book. It's ringing a ton of my bells. Again, it's called Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges by Amy Cuddy. That sounds really good. It is really good. It's it's great. I'm it's so useful. It is so so useful. Um, okay, so those are the new books for the week. We have officially gotten back in the saddle. What are you going to go read now? I am going to read The Great Forgetting by James Renner. It came out a few weeks ago, and I didn't get a chance to get to it yet. Um, he wrote 
the sci-fi serial killer novel, The Man of Primrose Lane, I think oh, is okay. what it was called a few years ago. Uh, if you love The Shining Girls, you should definitely check out The Man from Primrose Lane. Um, and this one says it is more of... I'm looking at the book thing because I couldn't remember what I was going to say. It's blends science fiction and conspiracy thrillers. So it sounds really interesting. He's a really, really interesting guy. I follow him on Twitter. He researches uh, true crime and writes on that all the time and then writes these bizarre, cool novels. And I'm just really excited for it. So what are you going to read? I am going to start the complete stories of Clarice Lispector. Whoa. It's enormous. And so I'll probably be dipping in and out of it for the rest of forever. Uh, but I've been hearing about her for so long. And then last fall, um, our colleague Amanda Nelson started reading some of her stories and was like, you are going to love these. And I believe Amanda. And that's really all that I know. So I'm going to give those a shot. You should. Yeah, I'm excited. It sounds like she's going to be right up my alley. All right, we did it. Yay. First show after vacation. I still think I'm like waking up. I know. I'm like, hmm, what? Talking? Okay. Uh, Forgive me. (laughs) Hey, we did it. Uh, Thanks again to our sponsors this week, the Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend by Katerina Bivald, which is out now, and also to FabFitFun. You can go to FabFitFun.com and use the coupon code BOOKS to save $10 on your first box. Drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com if you've got thoughts or questions or something cool that you want us to know about. You can hit us up on Twitter. I am Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute and you want to rate or review the show on iTunes. It lets us know uh, how we're doing and also, most importantly, helps other book lovers who are looking for podcasts to find their way to us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter in which I talk about more fabulous titles. This week, seriously, there's so many. It was so hard to choose. I don't even um, know how you narrowed yeah, it down. Yeah, this oh, week. it was so hard. Can we, oh, can we do a shout out? To Daniel Jose Older, his new yeah, book is yeah, out today. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. We love him. So and it's Midnight Taxi Tango, right? Yes, yes, the second Rumba Street novel. It's awesome. He's so great. Yes. So shouts to him. That's our show, and happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.